0: Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on tube amp withdrawal. Dumbles, plexis, tweeds, boutique, rare, vintage, high gain, all of these amp types are amazing, expensive, loud, and some are rare. I'd love to have an amp collection, but I don't have the room or the money to support that new endeavor. Of course, amp modelers do remedy most of these excuses. I can profile, capture, or emulate any one of these amps for a fraction of the cost and space. Then there is the portability to take them on the road or into the studio. But do amp modelers really sound the same? Do they have the right feel on stage? Does it matter to the audience? Does it matter to the other band members? Do in-ear monitors make a difference? Who's abandoned using their tube amps? Will tube amps ever make a comeback? And pedal tweaking. Is it really just the guitar player that notices the difference? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with John on the Tweed Couch. Well, John, it is great to have you back with us again on the couch for a little bit of group therapy, talking about tube amp withdrawal. So thank you, John, for being back on the couch.
1: Dr. T, this is one of my favorite places in the entire world, is uh, snuggled up on the couch.
0: Yeah, hold on, snuggled?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Are we really telling everybody with my I mean, th- <laughs> no, just with my thoughts and uh, it smells like Jason. It's great. We're good. Yeah, that's right. And and Lloyd, 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 Lloyd was your most recent on here, I
0: think. So yeah, mm, that's right. Lloyd and his uh, his overdriven preamp, which just drove me nuts, but whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's I all need good. Therapy.
1: It's all good. You got <laughs> That's what therapy is for. It's to work out all of your problems, both mental. Emotional and technical. So, yes, very true.
0: So, as we get to what today's topic is really about, I, I have something that I noticed. And one thing that I noticed was back in the day, everyone wanted like a full stack or a half stack. And then the next thing you know, people are talking about needing a 212, and then 112, or maybe a 110. And now they're looking for things that just fit in a gig bag. And these are the amplifiers and it's it's weird to me and I'm I'm curious on your take if you've noticed similar trends or or anything else like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you think as a backline guy, not just a festival guy, but as a backline guy, you know, 15 years ago everybody wanted a half stack or a full stack. And now they're really just for show, right? Like guys are putting big cabinets out there and, you know, there's they're hiding a little matchless, you know, one twelve combo behind it or whatever. But I mean you gotta remember the days of like Super Chick, but even like kissing them where they'd bring out like the fake fronts of the Marshall four twelves. Yep. They're they're hiding a little, you know, fender combo ant behind them or whatever, uh for actual stage oh, volumes. Yeah. So uh it's, it's interesting to see, you know, like at festivals specifically, all these bands that want, you know, used to want all this big gear, and they just turn it up, and it'd be rock and roll, and it'd be great. Yes. And now, I think you guys have talked about this on the podcast, is when you stand side stage, you hear, like, the drum kit the whole time, because everything is direct, or everything's just quieter, uh, everybody's on in-ears, so there's no wedges, and it's just kind of this weird... It's changed a lot in the last 20 years. So,
0: yeah. And okay, so to back up just a little bit, in case anybody hasn't heard you before and hasn't really listened much before, you are not only just the festival director for one of the largest Christian music festivals in the nation or even quite possibly the world. Okay. But also, you are a drummer. And you also own a backline company that has multiple amplifiers and pedal boards and guitars and, of course, drum kits, as well as some front of house stuff, too, to, you know, PA to be able to run all this stuff. So you've got a lot of experience in all of this. And one of the things you mentioned was 15 years ago. They wanted all this stuff. So what kind of stuff were you having to supply in Backline? Or 10 years ago, even, what were you having to supply in Backline?
1: It felt very genre-specific, right? Like, there'd be the adult contemporary guy who wanted the Fender twin or deluxe reverb yeah and then there was everybody else who was in the rock world was like i need a marshall half stack or a full stack or whatever yep and every bass player wants the ampeg 810 uh despite the fact that no one ever 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 tours with them you know Yep. <laughs> the only time they ever want them <laughs> is when someone else is providing them and carrying them around so yep you know 10 to 15 years ago i think everybody was they wanted big and they wanted loud and they wanted to be able to turn it up to, you know, to 11, the number of half stacks that we pointed backwards and had the heads facing forwards and they just cranked the, the snot out of them
0: Yeah, was
1: cool. And it was, it was what, what everybody was up to. And then about seven or eight years ago, there was this shift to combo amps. A lot of guys were, were, you know, doing like the Fender twin, but surprisingly Almost to a person, everybody wanted a Vox AC-30 or AC-15.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what was interesting with that, too, that I remember was that was the time in which Vox had done the CC-2 where it had those Wharfdale speakers. Yep. And if you could get greenbacks or blues, they were paying premium. Yeah and then all of a sudden they switched it to only having green backs or blues in their stuff and honestly a lot of people didn't necessarily notice
1: until they actually looked in the back and and ironically Vox put the put the backplate on on the amp so you had to really actually yeah. pay attention to what was in there but it's true so that that's how i ended up with eight Vox amps uh, is that era <laughs> that like six or seven year window when all anybody wanted was a Vox amplifier and then I think it was like 2018, maybe, we saw this huge pendulum shift to Fender. Now everybody wants Fender amps again, whether it's Hot yeah. Rod Deluxes or Fender Deluxe Reverbs or Twins or whatever. And you're seeing this shift where they go, oh, I'll use an AC-30. I'm like, you used one last year. Like, what's, cha-, you know, <laughs> what's changed yeah. in the last you know 12 months or whatever? You don't but, have
0: a new album. Right. You're bringing the same guitar. You yeah. know, like, yeah. really, what's changed? Well... If you have it, that's what's changed. Which you said Vox Amps.
1: Which Vox Amps do you have then? Uh, I have four AC-30s, two blues, and two greens. And then I have four AC-15s, three of which have the green back in it. And one of them is that TV special that like we all bought uh. on a Black Friday deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it was so sweet. People need to know what we got because it's amazing. It's it's a Vox AC-15 and it's the TV model. So it kind of looks like a little TV set and it is royal blue and cream white. And it doesn't look like the normal Vox with the normal Vox grill. If you have watched any of my YouTubes, you'll see my Vox AC-15 TV and it's so cool. It's so very, very cool.
1: But that was one of those back when Black Friday deals were like super awesome. I think I was at a Walmart on yeah. Black Friday, and you shot out a text to everybody, and you were like, "Hey, Sweetwater's got this cool IP deal." And We all yeah. just instantly bought one. Like, oh, all right, yeah. It was
0: like four hundred bucks shipped to door.
1: Yeah, and they uh, they ran out of them like instantly, but we all they honored it, so I got mine like a couple weeks later. But. Yeah, nice. it, was, it was it was very interesting uh, to own that one. But, yeah, so there was this, again, huge shift to, to, to Vox Amps. But I think, you know, you and, and Jason have touched on this a little bit in the past, is going to modeling amps, switching to modeling amps, and, you know, guys playing yeah. direct and just ditching the amp entirely. And it's been an ebb and flow. Like, when the Kemper first came out, and you'll remember this, like, mm. everyone showed up with a Kemper, and they were like, oh, just leave the amp for backup, but here's my Kemper. There was like a year or two of that, and then all of a sudden it was back to Fender Amps. But then this year again, everybody's back to direct, everybody's back to Kempers. So it's yeah, and you
0: you know, it's probably worth talking about this year because you know, you mentioned the Kempers, and probably the band that I think of the most when I think of the Kempers was Crowder. Everything was direct, everything was direct, and they had like six Kempers three being used, and three as a backup. Yep. And I just remember seeing that and going, well, that that's absolutely crazy. But this year, I mean, we saw a lot of modelers. Mm-hmm. Like, We the Kingdom was using the Strymon Iridium, and Zach Williams, they mostly all had, like, Line 6 HX Stomps or the Walrus Audio ACS-1... And their bass player had this, like, noble amplifier, but it was a pedal. So it was just like a preamp is really all it was. Stephen Curtis Chapman, actually, if people listened to the last one, then they would have heard where Stephen Curtis Chapman used a Kemper, but then ran it through a power amp <laughs> that went into a speaker and which got miked.
1: Yeah, that's... I. I don't understand the purpose of that, but that's fine. No, <laughs> and then
0: and then also, Kane has one of the like you know dozen
1: quad cortexes out there. So yeah,
0: that
1: that was that was pretty fun too. Yeah. You know, and what's funny is I think back to like okay, who is the first band that I saw do everything direct? And you remember Family Force Five? Oh yes, I love Family Force Five. They used to they're they're kind of this rock jump around goofy family band they were one of the first bands that I was like where's the speaker cabinets and they're like oh everything's direct and they were taking mesa boogie heads and they were running them through radial's got this amplifier di box thing i don't know, i don't remember yeah. what it is but one of the one of the it's just a looks like a regular di box but you plug the speaker out of your amp in it and it it's a like it's a power soak that'll like take the take the tube yeah. signal and then kicks it out in xlr and uh i was like there's no way that sounds good and then all of a sudden you're listening to it and you're like actually it sounds fine like it you know it sounds pretty yeah. good and um so to see them play and be like oh yeah we're all sound checked and they didn't make a single noise except for the drum kit and you're like what is going on here and that was probably 10 years ago maybe and and now the world has completely changed you know oh yeah
0: my favorite Family Force Five story was I was still the artist only at Life Fest, and I was I was hanging out, and there was Family Force Five, and we were just kind of talking about amps, and talking about gear, and talking about music, and what's going on with tour, and their guitar player who went by the name Chapstick.
1: Yep, yep. They all had goofy why, nicknames. Why not?
0: Yep, yeah, and. I was talking to him about his his guitar tone. I said, well, what are you using right now? He says, ah, just whatever the festival has is fine. And I said, well, I think what they have on that stage is a Mesa Boogie single rectifier and a PV triple X amplifier.
1: Oh, I remember when we had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And he said, honestly, I just turn everything to 10 and play. So (laughs) whatever's fine and it was funny because he got one tone and played that the entire show. And for those who have never seen Family Force 5, YouTube it. It's totally worth it. It is as much a dance party as it is a rock show.
1: Yeah. It's totally worth it. I remember that PV Triple X, it belonged to a guitar player friend of mine. He would just let me use it at the festival and uh that thing <laughs> I tell you for being a PV it was not terrible but it certainly wasn't Oh, It was good. good. (laughs) It was good. I liked (laughs) it.
0: You know, I thought about getting one. And the problem was, is I went, I'm a Christian artist and the front plate is the trucker, like naked lady silhouettes. Yep. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that, man. I can't pull that off. So I got a Marshall instead. And I tell you what, that was a better
1: choice. (laughs) It all around, all around. It was a better choice. Um, but it was actually a, it's a it's a base a triple wreck is what I had not a single so oh it was a triple wasn't it yeah yeah you still have that triple wreck I do it's still in the arsenal it still sounds great um that yep. was one that a couple of years ago somebody put a mic stand through the back of it because there's no grill there, there's no uh, <laughs> tube like screen on it and I'm like oh they broke like eight power tubes or whatever's in those things
0: oh my gosh. Yeah, well, okay, so speaking of that, so we're going to talk about a bunch of different things, but I think it's probably worth me asking you this question before we move on. Okay. And that is, I'm curious how well you know me. Okay. And this question is, do you think that I prefer modeling amps or real amps when playing Mm. live on stage? Okay, so... Now, it's a little unfair because we do play live together on stage.
1: Yeah, and you've played both ways. You've just plugged in and you've typically run that AC-15. I'm going to say... Okay, so live on stage. Is there a setting difference? Because, like, if you're playing a church gig, I would say you probably prefer direct cuz it's it's volume stage volume those types of things but knowing what we did in Chicago when we brought out two Marshall half stacks I think you prefer true I think you prefer the the the, the guitar amp when we can turn it up I think you prefer the guitar amp versus direct so what's interesting
0: is that you mentioned a caveat of when I play at church Versus when I play out in the bigger gig. Yeah. And it's actually the same answer. I prefer the amp always, 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 always. I love it on stage. I love being able to hit something and hit a note and then get a little closer to the amp and it just bloom right in front of me. I love that when I walk around the stage, depending on where I'm at on the stage, I might get a little bit more of a a certain tone or feedback or whatever. My confession is I am the modeler king. I have lots and lots of modelers that I've (laughs) gone through. And it's the reason why I go through so many modelers is because I can't find the amp in the room sound perfect. And I... I think that I blame in-ears. Yeah, that's fair. Because I've been playing in-ears now for... Oh, what is this? 2022? So I've been playing in-ears for... Wow. Uh, 16 years? Oof. 17 years? And it really does change everything. I, I prefer floor wedges. Yeah. But I like the clean audio that
1: goes to the audience. I'm the opposite. As a drummer, I've been, I, the fact that you just did the mathematical equation of how long you've had ears. I started in in-ears in 2002 with the Shure E1s, just those old crappy little Shures. Uh-huh. So I've been playing yep. live with in-ear monitors for 20 years. And uh, I love it. I think it's great as an audio guy. I love it when a band does that. But I'll tell you, I played with your brother Paul and Beth and Jer. I did a film gig. And we had spent all the rehearsals doing ears and clicks and trying to get everything right. And then we got to the venue and the stage was running a little behind. I told the audio guy, I'm like, I don't need to, we're not playing the click anyways. Just, just turn the wedges on. And Jeremy was like, okay, yeah, let's do wedges. And Beth and Paul were all like, sure. And uh, that was, I haven't had that much fun. This was probably six years five years ago, four years ago, something like that. And I haven't had that much fun in a long time as when yeah. I just sat down with a wedge and was like, just turn it up, man. Just give me everything. Yeah, It was loud and my ears rang afterwards and it was, none of that was good. But uh, but playing with a wedge was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're like, yeah, it, it destroyed my hearing
0: for life, but you know what? It was worth it. It was good. Sometimes worth it are YOLO, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And and that's the truth. I remember filling in at a church after I came back down here to Texas and they were like, yeah, could you, could you help out? And I was like, sure. I played like three or four gigs with them and they were just their normal, like either worship. Actually, they had one that was this night of worship where they basically played like a, a show, if you will. You know, as much as us church people hate the term performance at the same time, it's kind of what it is, but it's not meant to get in the way. So here we are, we're playing, and they don't do in-ears. They're a smaller church, but there's a few hundred of them there. And I played, and I brought the amplifier, I brought the pedal board, I played a PRS, and as I'm playing and the sound is hitting me, it's just an act of the Holy spirit upon you. And, and you just, you feel like whether I played better or not, I definitely felt like I played better and I know I played certain things. I never would have played had I just had in ears going in. So there is something to the fact that you talk about this gig that you had where it was turn the wedges up and go to town and, and, I agree with you. I think that there is something about turn the wedge up and let the amp fly and let the drums go and let your ears ring. Let them
1: ring. Well, and and there's something different too. Like you had mentioned going around the stage, obviously I'm stationary. So what I hear is what I, what what's coming at me is what I, what I hear. I don't get to run around, but like, you know, the The monitor engineer was like, "Do you need the lead vocal?" I'm like, "No, she's right in front of me, and her wedge is like coming right through my face." So it sounded great. Like I could yeah. hear, but you know, like you just kind of play the room, right? Like you, you get that true stereo sound because the two guitar amps are on either side, and I'm getting all the bass from my right side because that's where chair was. And yeah, it's just that you know, it 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 sounds yeah. great, it feels good. And then, like I said, you get done, you're like, "Okay, that was loud. We shouldn't do that anymore." But it was an outdoor show, and it was right didn't hurt the audio engineer that we had wedges because it's this huge outdoor venue, you know, so. Sure. Well, and that brings up interesting
0: points as well because when you think about it, you know, using ears, a lot of the times when we started using ears, it was for the necessity of the indoor venue and being able to get up to the volume we wanted, but at the same time, the clarity was really what we were shooting for because Mm -hmm. the venue was not conducive to a drum set and a half stack right (laughs) so so that was a big reason why we went in that way but at the same time you talk about the e1s i mean how sterile were the e1s compared to our all clear spire sixes that we use now
1: well and what's funny is the evolution of those so I was in a I was in a I was in a cover band when I first started using ears, and I it was me and my bass player, and we bought one stereo channel of ears, and we each got a pair of E ones, and we yep. were like, "This is the greatest thing ever! How could we ever perform another show without in ear monitors?" Yep, and then with a your e- mono mix, with your mono yep. mix of E ones, one single driver, you know, basically yep. think your Apple headphones stuck in your ears, you know, not even as right. good as your Apple headphones. And then um, <laughs> fast forward like maybe a year, and they came out with the E5s, and we both invested in them. And again, our, our two guitar players were still using wedges at the time. All of a sudden, I'm like, how, would I, how did I live with this E5? Like now I've got these. Oh, know, yeah. E, or how did I live with the E1? I now have the E5, and it sounds amazing, and it's great. Fast forward again, and then I got my first set of custom molds, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did I ever live with the E5? Yeah, <laughs> and and like you said now i think you know you and i both have spire sixes and uh yep you, you know they they sound amazing all clear is a great company if you if you're looking for ears check out all yep. clear they're amazing 100 percent. no endorsement necessary nope you know on a side note actually i blew a driver in one and i brought him back and i bought mine like three years ago and they were like oh it's covered under warranty we'll just fix it and they're shipped they shipped them back to me i'm like such an amazing company anyway yeah they are And now I've got great fitting in-ears that I love. As an engineer, I mean, even when I'm having to mix ears, you know, you want that good fit and that good sound and, and, you know, your ears just get tired after a while. And, uh, especially when you play long sets and long days and whatever, but yeah, you know, again, that evolution of hearing in-ear monitors for the first time and going, how could it get any better to what I have now? And I'm like, how did I ever survive (laughs) with those crappy ears? But then, like I said, you go back and you you play a gig with wedges again, and it's like, oh yeah, I remember what this used to be like, and
0: I think yeah, and it's different—the energy feel you have from the two of them, Mm -hmm. and. You mentioned that you were like, oh yeah, Jer was on my left, and I had this bass sound, and Beth was right in front of me, and her monitor was blaring back, so I got all this vocal, and Paul's over on my right, so I've got all this guitar that's coming at me, and then I've got my drums surrounding me when I hit the hi-hat to the right for you because you're lefty, you know, and the floor, Tom, to the left, you know, you're, you're getting all of these sounds from all these things. It's, it's listening in Dolby 19,000.4, you know, (laughs) it's like, what is this? Right. And that's one of the things that I've really noticed because I, for a long time was a mono ears guy Mm -hmm. I refused to do stereo for the fear that if I went stereo, I wouldn't hear things very well. And it wasn't until at church I had a stereo rig going, well, not guitar wise, but like stereo ears, you know, and I had a wireless to it and everything. And I went, you know what? I'm having a tough time getting anything clear. Can I pan my guitar a little bit to the left and my voice a little bit to the right? Go ahead and put the other singer a little bit to the left. Okay, where's the drum set? Okay, put that a little bit more on the left as well. Where's the bass part? Okay, put them a little bit more on the right. And oh my gosh, it brought back some of the live. Yep. The things that were missing, which is bringing us back to... Modelers versus amplifiers, (laughs) because (laughs) well, this became an idiot monitor podcast.
1: You know, really, yeah, I know. But seriously,
0: the reason why that I even bring that up is because that is similar to what's going on with the whole modeler versus amplifier. I think we are on this craze of new, interesting, fun modeling amplifiers. But then, what we're also getting on top of it is we're getting people who go home and go, "Man, I just love to plug into my fender, yeah, I've got a model of it, but I love plugging into my fender.
1: I think there's a little bit of the the sound guy influence that happens with some of this too and and to your point of the ears, like I think people are like, "Well, it sounds good in my head, and we use in ears anyways, so i don't I don't get to hear my my matchless or my dr z or whatever they're touring with you know right and is it a little bit of it sounds good enough like because as an audio guy so what when i am a front of house engineer i don't care what you're sending me if it sound if it doesn't sound the way i want it to sound it's going to sound the way i want it to sound out front anyways you know i've heard people talk uh some artists actually a friend of mine who tours with some of these I'll call them casino bands. You know, you think like Dennis DeYoung okay. and and Styx and some of these some of these bands that were were the the highest of highs, but now they're kind of the you know, they're they're playing the the casino shows. They're playing the you know, they're still out there doing their thing, but they're not they're not selling out arenas anymore. I was talking right. to him about this this very topic and he said, you know, we almost had the band off of their Marshall half stacks and on dot modelers but then they saw another show that only had modelers, and they're like, "Oh, it sounds stale." And uh, Dave, my buddy, who mixes for him, he goes, "Yeah, but that's that's the audio engineer. That's the rig. That's not the sound of what they're getting, right? Like that's what you're feeling is what the audio guy is doing, not not what we're doing." And because Dave's like, "I've mixed you guys with the modelers, and it sounds great," and they 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 want their half stacks, but it, it's it's interesting to hear, you know. People who who refuse to use modelers or people who refuse to leave their guitar amp, when they're playing these giant outdoor venues or these giant arena shows and you're like, it all depends on what the sound guys do. It has nothing to do with what you do on stage.
0: Okay, so this brings up an interesting point because this was actually something I was thinking about as well, is that pedals themselves, like guitar pedals, they've been modeled for decades and widely used. Yep. The Echoplex is a wonderful example of that, right? Cuz that gets you that gets used everywhere, okay? So this got used for a very long time. So does this tell us now with the fact that amps and amp modeling is starting to become a bigger deal and it's starting to get used more widely, does that mean that amp modeling has now gotten to that pedal modeling side? where it started off okay but people used it and loved it then all of a sudden you get all these other pedals that people used and loved and now you get these amp modelers that people used and went meh meh and now all of a sudden they're using and loving is it that the amp modelers are getting better or is it that the PAs are getting better is it that the audio engineers are able to EQ them better
1: which one do you think it is I think you go back to the source of live audio, right? Back in the day when the Beatles were doing it, and it was like these crappy Sure brand and custom like piles of speakers that just tried to make it louder to what we have yeah. now, which is these phenomenal, like crazy, intelligible line array systems. And even ground support PAs sound amazing now. And you're able to reproduce more what you want, and you're not limited by what the PA sounds like. I think you're right on the money with with the fact that I joke with bass players all the time. Like, you can bring whatever amp you want. I'm gonna stick you through my radial DI. Like, that's the that's the tone that I want. Is yeah. we're gonna plug you into this either a Sans amp or a radial, and I'm gonna get the green light to come on and be like, "That's there's my bass tone. I, I don't care what you want it to sound like on stage." And it's it's similar with with live. From an audio engineer standpoint, it's easier to plug into the back of a modeler and go. Okay, this is the tone he's giving me. As opposed to the whole, like, you stick a mic in front of it, and then you then you, you let them play for a while, and you go, oh, I'm going to move that a little bit off access, or I'm going to move the mic here, or whatever. Yeah. Um, Let's get a different mic. Let's dual mic it. Yeah. Yeah, and as opposed to what, you know, all right, just come out of the you know Line 6 Helix or whatever and, and yeah. turn it up, you know. It's like keyboards. Like, keyboard players were never worried about their tone. They just sent you a signal. Right. And I, and now guitar players are the same way. And I I don't want to break it to guitar players, but you know, what you do on stage when you tweak your pedal like 700 times, no one knows. Nobody's ever heard. No one <laughs> No one gets that. No one understands what you're doing and no one's he, no one hears <laughs> the difference between this and the uh and, okay, now, now it's right. Now it's right. No no one cares. Okay.
0: You know what? But they would know the difference. Okay, you know what? We're going to talk about this. We're going to bring this back. We're going to talk about this. We're going to listen to a word from our sponsors. Okay. And then we are going to talk about that, good sir, Mr. Drummer. You're left-handed anyway. All yeah. right. So let's hear from our sponsors. <laughs> If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Who doesn't love a party with a purpose? If you love music, family-friendly, and camping, then you need to come to LifeFest. In 2023, they will have festivals in Wisconsin and Tennessee. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Cressman Guitar Company has been repairing and building guitars. In 2021, Crestman started production of a solid-body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, awesome-looking, and sounding guitars that anyone, student to expert, would be proud to play and own. Be sure to check them out at cressmanguitars.com. Let's hear from the final sponsor. If you like my voice on this podcast, I am using a TechZone Audio Products Stellar X3, and I am thankful for the opportunity to represent it. Okay, well, we're back. I've cooled off a little bit. (laughs) So you're right. A little bit of tweaking doesn't do a whole lot. But at the same time, I will say that the way we feel when we play makes us more comfortable so I'll, I'll give therefore you, you, you are getting something you know it's kind of like you know the drummer's going hold on i just need to move this cymbal just one more over and tilt it down just a touch it'll it'll make all the difference and it's like yeah but you literally reached over there earlier and it was fine it was fine <laughs> but now it's not yeah i'll give, so you, I'll get give you that one i'll give you that one yeah that's that's fine and yeah <laughs> all right so okay So to to bring it back to something else, I do want to mention something. I mentioned earlier about the pedals were a modeling thing for a while. Yeah. And one of the first like modeling distortion style pedals, I would actually say is the Boss SD-1 or the Tube Screamer. Yeah. Because you might look at those and go, no, 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 those are analog pedals. Right. But what was their purpose? Their purpose was to emulate tube distortion, tube breakup.
1: Yeah, I honestly my favorite pedal is still the Governor, the Marshall Governor pedal, the original oh, one.
0: I have one of those. It's, a, it's such a great pedal. Yeah, it is. And you know, and the thing is is that that's what they were meant to do. And people today still buy multiples of Tube Screamers getting that right sound. And it's all meant to emulate tube distortion. So I I know that's a thing. And actually, back in the 80s, that was huge. But then we get to the 90s. I don't know that we have as much with that. I mean, yeah, we had Full Tone, which, by the way, Full Tone, a little R.I.P., a little rest in peace, because they did decide to close doors this year. Hmm. Yeah, he, he's tired of the stuff. He's said some things. He's getting old. So he's yelling at the clouds, kind of like yeah. us talking about my tubes and uh, modelers. So, you know, there wasn't a whole lot. Nobody played line six flex tone threes and spider amps on stage. But the thing is, is that by the time we got to like the 2000s, 2010s, you started to see like Kempers and Fractals and the 2020s, the, the quad cortexes.
1: And I really do think that modelers, they've got something going for them. So to back up, just to just a to touch on what you said, you know when the Line Six came out with the what was it the AX two twelve or whatever it was, their their first like modeling amp.
0: Yeah, wow, you went to the AX two twelve. It was huge <laughs> with cover bands
1: because they needed to sound yeah. like oh, I need to sound like you know the Deep Purple, Dire Straits, as well <laughs> as the Beatles, as <laughs> well, well as Van Metallica. Halen.
0: Yeah. As well as Nirvana, as well throw as. in
1: some some Pearl yeah. Jam to Alanis Morissette to Jewel, you know, or whatever, all in the yeah, one. Yeah, that's right, all the some one Steve set. Miller all the way down. Yeah, yeah. I get it. And uh, I think you know what's funny is I I do a lot of these Battle of the Band competitions and stuff with high schools and and different different organizations and whatnot, and the number of kids yeah. who are coming through still with like whatever it is now the Spider Five or whatever.
0: Because
1: yeah. they don't have to spend a ton of money to get all of these different sounds, and they don't sound terrible I mean they're not great, but they don't sound terrible I mean not like the old uh Digitech, like rP one hundred or whatever when that came out uh, i i only I only bring that up because I have one I think I still have one in a closet somewhere um because as a drummer who plays guitar, you're like, oh, I can sound like this and then push a button and it sounds like that you know but even for recording back in the early two thousands, when Line Six came out with the old kidney bean shaped pod, the original oh, yeah. Line Six pod, like that was revolutionary for what people were doing. Like, man, if you had oh, man, if you had a Mac Tower G three and a pod, you could oh yeah make terrible sounding music with the best. of Yeah, them. but you thought it was amazing yeah.
0: using some you know Cool Edit Pro or whatever Garage yeah. Band Garage if Band yeah. I don't know yeah. I tell you what, that line six pod kidney bean was a gateway drug to whatever you were looking to get. Yep. Because it's like, oh, yeah, 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 here, here, test a little bit of insanity. Yeah, you want some of that? All right. Okay, you didn't like it? That's cool. That's cool. We got crunch. All right. How about this? You want a little bit of that? You know, and the next thing you know, what you have is you found a sound you liked and you went, oh, well, that's supposed to be a JCM 800. I think I want a JCM 800, but you couldn't afford a JCM 800. So you got yourself like a Marshall JCM 2000.
1: Yeah. The 212
0: combo or whatever. Yeah. Or the MG. Yeah. Or, or a JCM 900. Well, you know, no- and now all of a sudden you're just like, oh, maybe, maybe. And then you were like, I still can't get the 800. I'll get a JVM. And eventually you either get an 800
1: or you give up on dreams. Or you bought the uh, the Marshall Valve State, you know those tube We're preamp. We're
0: not talking about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that was me. Hold on, yeah. <laughs> but but you know, but that's the thing is it's it's crazy to me as we look at all the things. And actually, my son, I I actually steered him in the direction of modeling amplifiers because he was ready to get his first amplifier, and I was like, okay. I've got a Fender Pro Junior. If you want to use it, you could use that with some pedals. No problem. I've got a little Hot One, Hotone, however you want to say it. British Invasion It's like a little 5-watt solid state. Stick that sucker into my little 112 Eggnator cab that has mm-hmm. a G12 H30 in it. Fine. Use it. And that's what he did. He used that with pedals. But you could tell he was ready to go to the next stage and i went you know what you're young enough you're new enough that you don't know what you really want i could say oh you need the perfect platform you need this you need that but i actually put him in the direction of a positive grid spark have you ever seen those things before
1: i have not but i know what you're talking about
0: yeah they're like super tiny like they're yeah. they're like a a toolbox in size like they're not crazy large but They have Bluetooth connectivity so he can run his phone with it. You know, kids, they love to use their phone. And it has, like, ability to play along with stuff. It'll give you tutorials. It has all these different tones. And it has all these different things. And it helps you learn how to play some guitar. And it's also a Bluetooth speaker. So he's still at least using it for other things. And I tell you what, I was shocked at how good it ended up sounding. And he now actually uses it at church. These tiny little, like, I'm guessing four-inch speakers are producing really some sweet sound in total. And, you know, I think there is that place for modeling. And I think that it needs to be there. But at the same time, he's still getting the live performance side because he's getting stage volume. He's getting that sound. So you as a drummer... Do you feel like even if you're using your in-ears, whether it's a modeler or it's an actual amplifier on stage, do you
1: have a preference Hmm. as the drummer with the ears in? So there's three ways to answer this question. Drummer ears in, I don't care. Because it's that you know to, to your point i like stereo i like to be able to pan some stuff we don't always get to do that but when we do it's nice to you know throw lead vocal one side back a vocal over yep. here and you know move some stuff around when i play ears out i want that real amplifier i want that that tube like blah you know and when i play guitar i always pull yeah. my, i always pull out an ac-15 like i I don't own any modelers, but I, I would always use, like, an AC-15 with a real pedal board. Yeah. As a front-of-house guy, modelers are great, especially if they have an XLR out on the back. You just plug them in. <laughs> you get the green light to come on. Great. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Because, again, I you know, there's there's so many variables when it comes to live performance. Am I using a Sennheiser 906? Am I using the 609? Am I using a 57? Am I using an Audix D2? Did you kick the microphone when you were jumping around on stage? Did you did it get oh, bumped true. off access? Did you move your amplifier? Did you touch a knob and now the you know this isn't right? There's a million things. Is it too humid outside so we're not getting proper air movement? I mean, there's all those all those things Very that go into it. I've done outdoor gigs where like the wind is whipping through and you're getting that sound on every microphone. You're yeah. like, Ugh. I you know. Direct, especially if it's a big PA and it sounds good and you're at an outdoor deal, you know, I'll take a direct signal all day long as as a front of house guy. So I guess I answered all three of those.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and, okay. so this brings up something that that came to mind after I asked the last question, which is you said earlier that keyboards just plug in. They send information. But yep. we've noticed a number of times that keyboards are now turning to laptops.
1: Yeah, it's just a, a controller running through a laptop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And basically, they're just like hammering on some weighted or unweighted MIDI boards that then are controlled by a laptop that is hopefully powerful enough not to crash. <laughs> And when they do, it's it's epically bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have some great stories of some different artists that have had that issue. But my question is, do you think as a drummer, as a backline guy, do you think that guitar players are ever going to turn basically a MIDI switcher on the floor
1: and use a computer like a keyboard player? I have seen guys do that. I think there's a there's a there's a program called Amplitude, it might be. I, I, I could be yep. making that up, but that's okay correct. it is. Okay, great. No, yeah, that's one of them. Um I have seen it and on the rare occasion I've seen guys literally take their guitar out into a into a preamp, into amplitude, into the PA. But since the invention of the Kemper and the even the pod go, right? Line six pod go is the little is the smallest yeah. of the ones ever since the pod go came out or Kemper or Helix or any, any pick, pick your poison, right? Guitar players are not using laptops because I think their hardware has gotten so good. The reason yeah. keyboard players have gone to laptops is most of them already own a laptop. The keyboard sounds are great and they don't have to spend $8,000 on a Nord stage two or stage three to have a board and travels way easier, right? Because you've got this little thing that fits in a backpack, and you've got this laptop that fits right. in a backpack, and away you go. Much like guitar players now can take the toaster or the Kemper board or Kemper Live or whatever the, the floorboard version is yeah, called. Yeah, their stage. Stage, mm-hmm. there it is. They can slide it into. In fact, isn't it like you can buy the backpack from Kemper that it fits in, kind of thing. Yep. Um, Same thing for Helix. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think the fact that the pedal boards are the computer and they're so focused on what guitar players want and they sound for all intents and purposes, they sound great. They sound exactly the way you want them to. And they're able to put them in there. Also they're, they're software upgradable now. Like you look back at at the kidney bean when the pod two came out or whatever they called it, the version two of the the six pod, you couldn't get those sounds in the first one. You couldn't, you couldn't, update the first one it just became obsolete right the helix and all this stuff they're all you plug them into your laptop you download the firmware update and you know they sound like whatever the new version is so i think that's going to stay i think it's going to be a pedal board of physical functionality also because guitar players don't have a free hand to change a setting they're they're going to step on a pedal with their feet while they're doing their thing i think that that plays into it too That's true.
0: They don't have that damper pedal, you know, where they just click on that thing. You know, they hit it enough time to be able to change a little button here or there or whatever. We're usually playing something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and people are used to seeing the guitar player. If they do hit that note that just goes, you know, and it's doing that kind of thing, they don't expect that it's going to go while you're going click, 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 space bar, Apple four apple <laughs> six apple seven done and oh you know like that's not really what they're looking for
1: you also so I have, think you also have a pick in your hand so you're losing your your thumb and your pointer <laughs> fingers so you've only got three fingers left to to do your thing that's true i will say this
0: that guitar players we tap a little with our feet we play with the pick but we can also play without the pick and <laughs> drummers playing without their sticks are hand drummers, and that's that's not as awesome,
1: yeah, but drummers have to deal with track rigs all the time. they're the ones who have to you know they they stick a stick under their <laughs> under their armpit and then they're like firing tracks for the band and stuff so uh they, that's
0: right so that the band that's a three piece actually has a keyboard backup singers, and somehow a dobro during their yeah. song yeah and the and the doubled vocal
1: the doubled vocals and the
0: uh yeah. That's that's very true. That's very true. But, you know, you know, so we talk about all the things that that we have. And I will say that even though it seems like someone with modeling capability gets the ability to have their Fender amp, their Vox amp, their Marshall amp, their Mesa boogie, their Tyler, their matchless DC 30, even though everybody gets what they want using that. I will say the person who is just stuck and says, you know what? I need my amp and my cabinet and whatever. They actually have the ability to do modeling as well because the attenuators nowadays have gotten to the point where they have Bluetooth technology. They have delay. They have reverb. They have stereo out. And you're like, hold on. I only have a 112. Right. Right but you get stereo out. Okay, great. You know, and and they have all those things as well. And so I think I truly believe that there will not be computer guitarists in the future, unless it's a special genre, but at the same time, I'm pretty positive that once this generation of ACDC stones, Aerosmith like some of those like classic actual classic rock artists go by the way I truly believe that the next era is going to have a lot of technology we don't notice
1: but is making everything the way it is. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. I view it very cyclical. In the sense that I think okay. right now everybody's like, oh, you gotta have the modelers, you gotta have this, you gotta have that. And then I yep. think it's gonna come back around where it's gonna be like, no, man, to be cool, you gotta have the 412 cabinet, you gotta have the whatever. Yeah. I think there's gonna be a lot of that. The other thing is, and this is a live sound conversation, when digital desks in recording studios became real popular with waves plugins and all this stuff, Yep. Avid, who did the profile, console it became super popular in the live realm because everybody needed everybody needed auto tune and everybody needed all of these things so you could sound like your album right and that's almost i don't want to say it's gone away but it's it's gotten way less in the live realm because now it almost feels like specifically at least in the christian market there's been this like full circle back to Think for King and Country, man, they've got forty inputs on stage with all these drums and all this stuff and they're not sampling anything. You know, Zach Williams is playing out and they're just a bunch of good old boys playing guitars, even though they're direct, but they're still just, you know, they're still, you know, you mentioned Crowder, like all Mm -hmm. these acoustic instruments and stuff are kind of making this this comeback. And you see kind of this back to roots, back to the basics. I think you're gonna see that even with amplifiers where, you know, people are gonna be super excited about how cool you know, look at all the stuff I can do, and look at how how real this sounds, and then people are going to be like, okay, but I use the the hot rod, or I use the the JCM 900 patch. Why don't I just use a JCM 900? Why don't I just take out the the matchless, or why don't I just take out the fill in the blank? Because that's all I'm using this Kemper for. You know, I, I think yeah. there's going to be this, you know cyclical action to back to tube amps again i, I don't think they're ever going to go away i don't think they're ever going to die because they still make them and they still sell them and they still are popular and they're still yeah. worth money <laughs> from a from a uh you know store standpoint i mean they're going up in value people are still buying them yeah um they still it's true you know it's still going to be a thing and at the end of the day, I mean, we talked about this when, when I had to pull, when I didn't use ears with Jer, you've, you know, you did a church service and even, I mean, other times that we've just done no ears. There's still that moment when you're like, oh, this is, this sounds so good, man. Like this feels good. Whether it's you playing to seven people in a garage or you playing in front of 7,000 people, there's moments where you just want to either drop an ear or just, just, just feel that experience. And you can't do that with a Kemper. You can't do that with a keyboard rig direct to the PA you know and you can't do it with an electronic drum set you cannot do it with an electronic don't even get me started on how crappy those things are
0: yeah Uh. (laughs) I knew something
1: would do that yes
0: okay all right so with all that let's go ahead and let's get to the final thoughts and this is my question of the final thought and that is do you miss the amps on stage At the festival. I understand you're the festival director. So you're not talking as a drummer. Now you're not talking as someone who loves playing music live. You're talking about from the aspect of the person going, I want this festival to be as sweet as possible and great for the concert goer, the payer.
1: Do you miss the amps on stage? Not one bit. Not at all. I I, it I I lean back into my audio engineer mindset and go, It's so much easier to make it sound exactly how you want it when you don't have this loud thing on stage. You know, some of the bands do it right, you know, Skillet turns their amps around and they just blow it out the back of the stage.
0: Yeah, they do. Even
1: even Mac Powell, you know, they're they're live on stage and they're not super loud, but you can control everything. The, the micromanager in me goes, You can control exactly what it's going to sound like when everything's a camper or everything's a modeler. Yeah. It doesn't bother me at all that they do that. The flip side of that is, yeah, the bands that blow it out of the side or blow it out the back of the stage, it doesn't really affect 20, 30,000 people in a crowd that much, anyways. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to what the audio engineer is getting at front of house, and that's what they make it sound like. Right. But me personally, like you, standing on the side of the stage from time to time, yeah, it doesn't sound as fun. It's not as fun. You don't get to hear what's going on. You got to go out yeah. front. You know, but again, we don't put on festivals for the fluffy white bunnies or myself or, you know, whoever to stand on the side of the stage. We put the festival on for the for the people that are out in the crowd. That's right. who that's who gets the, the the best experience. So, yeah, the ones that pay our paycheck. The ones that the ones that buy a ticket. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, that, that's the truth. And, you know, so me As a fluffy white bunny, as someone who helps with the production in all many aspects of all the different things, do I miss the amps on stage? Actually, not as much, and and largely it's because when the amp goes down, we got to come up with something else. When they bring their own gear, because we don't supply that, and it goes down, well, then we have to supply something. But how often does the modeling gear go
1: down at these festivals? So far,
0: it's been little to none.
1: I I would echo that with, and when it does go down, it's they grab the other one that they brought with them because the touring bands carry a spare.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But with that said, I know we're on final thoughts, but don't you actually have a story Of you spending a few hours trying to get someone's base rig to work
1: because of the modeler. So it was a a solo artist who travels with the band in a box. And when he couldn't get it to work, I first of all texted Dr. T to go, Hey, buddy, have you used (laughs) the Roland RC 600 or whatever model it was? Yep. I was engineering the show for him and, uh, you know, he's got four outputs or whatever he's giving me bass and guitar and you know the loop and the the drum sound that he recorded into it and yeah man it was it was a nightmare eventually we figured it out because it was it was a new pedal to him he had he had the older version and couldn't get it to work but yeah sometimes you just got to go man just just play your guitar and (laughs) yeah everybody will be fine and
0: you know and i remember texting you and i was like i've never had it before but it's a routing issue. Yeah, Is the fe- effects loop on? Did you route the input?
1: Did you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was something weird. Like you have to route the input to the channel as well as the output, even though it's recorded on that channel. And it was it was one of those things where all of a sudden we watched a YouTube video and he was like, oh, I'll do this. And he turned it on. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, my gosh, we got it. Uh, don't touch anything. Uh, <laughs> There is
0: something nice to just plugging into the amp. That's for sure. Just plug it in and make make noise, man. That's all it's got to be. So I guess as far as my final thoughts to bring to all of this is I'm with you. I, I think that there is a number of things at the festival that I appreciate when it is the real amp. But most of them are selfish. I enjoy walking up to a stage. And I feel like it's like when I see that everything's going well and then I go side stage and I hear everything's going well. I'm like, all right, I'm done. And I leave. Or I stick around until I'm called. But whenever it is a modeler and I hear it out front and I go, man, that sounds good. And I go side stage to make sure everything looks like it's going all right. And I go, all I hear is drums. That's it. And like low end but I wouldn't call it bass because it's just the subs coming back at you. Something's not right. It, it freaks me out a little bit. And then I leave because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, honestly, I don't really notice as the concert goer. And uh, I don't want to say that tube amps are dead. They're not. They're absolutely not. Um, but I will say that from the side stage, I do go through withdrawal. <laughs>
1: I do. I think there, yeah, I think there's a, there's a, you know, obviously some bands have a super reliance on technology right now and it makes amazing concert theatrics and presentation and and performance. But like, you know, you alluded to, you know, we've both experienced when, Oh, the laptop died, and now there's no tracks, and now there's no video <laughs> wall projection, and the lead, the lead singer's doubled vocal is gone, and all the doubled drum parts are yep. missing, and now it's just like this thuddy sounding drum yep. kit, and maybe the sound of the guitar player, and that's all that's in the PA anymore. Yep. I I think there's something to be said about you know bands that that can weave that technology together with the live elements, and. It, yeah. It's a better show. It's it's you know, you know the the guy that that plays the uh, the looper pedal that we're having issues with, you know he wants it to sound like a band and not some guy playing acoustic guitar over tracks, you know which is why we spent so much right. time trying to make it sound right, because because you don't want it to sound like some you know you don't want it to sound like like karaoke, right? I think that that's the the bad side of technology is the the karaoke feel when you're when you're doing that as opposed to oh this is what live music sounds like um you know and you can you can get lost in the tinkering you can get into an amp and you know i think you guys have talked about this before with you know with jason and whatnot where it's like man i'll spend you know if it's if it's just a tube screamer, there's three knobs like ah, oh, you, you play with right it, it, well and if it's a pro junior it's like two knobs yep. on an amp yeah yeah <laughs> You get what you get. And as opposed to, oh, it's the line six and I can go in there and, and tweak everything four hundred different ways on the on the laptop before yeah. I plug it in and you know, it's it's there's there's a simplicity to and I think it's it's cyclical again, where people get into technology and then all of a sudden they just put it down and they're like, Just give me a, a telly and a tube screamer and a fender and just turn it up. And then you get back to, Oh, maybe I'll put this back in and maybe I'll put this back in and you know, I hear that a lot from guitar players. And, yeah and and not just guys who buy pedals all the time and change out their pedal boards all the time uh I hear this from Jason from regular guitar players too, so yeah
0: right, right, <laughs> okay, so after that throwing under the bus, you know what that is perfect a way to end all of this stuff, so I will say, John, it has been great to talk to you about tube amp withdrawal because i could talk to all these different people who are guitar players but to get a drummer who sits there and goes you know honestly i don't care if i have ears but if we have wedges you better bring the big dog yeah i don't care if you have a prius or (laughs) a kia soul like you better bring the 412 you know i appreciate that yeah of course you own 412 so there is that so thank you john for being here on the couch to have some group therapy honestly mostly for me but for us
1: yeah it's always my pleasure i love it here uh i'd I'd love to come back anytime so
0: excellent and you can let go of me now because the snuggling has been long enough
1: there's no more cuddly i like being (laughs) the big spoon though so we're good
0: (laughs) all right until next time bye If you like what you heard, make sure you hit like and subscribe. Also, be sure to leave five stars in a review. Make sure you also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And remember, you are your greatest asset. Until next time.